0: When I woke up this morning I was feeling pretty dangerous. Alright, yeah. Our roster looks great on paper. Great on paper. Whoopty hell. Whoopty hell. All right. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. A good team. And you
1: start building that during this time of the year. Time of the year. your story, yes, your story, yes,
0: Doing a lot of talking somebody that ain't shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you yeah, think you're business?
1: better than Jarrell Rivas is right now? Is I'm better right than, now. than you. My twenty-four years of life? I'm better at life than you.
0: I ain't never seen you before. Hop. Huh? Back Coach, you need some help. We're going to expose you, boy. All right, come at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go. Let's go. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. You can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. Your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at The Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best football, baseball, and basketball stats, but most importantly for me, college football stats. College football stats are very hard to find, and they have the best in the business. They're working on IDP stats as well, which is very hard to find. Regardless, if you're looking at NFL or college, they're bringing those on. You got all kinds of offensive stats. If you're out of the playoffs and you're looking at you want to or you want to start looking at the college incoming players, I should say the players from college coming into the NFL. I am butchering this badly, guys, and I apologize. Then check out this website. They have some of the best stats. As I mentioned, you can dive into these prospects analytically, see what they look like. I'm telling you one of the best sites in the business and it's just $15 for a year subscription to, uh, to get all of these stats. And If you use our code Roundtable, it is 10% off. It is the best deal in the industry. Check it out. I promise you guys it will be well worth your money. For today's podcast, it's Monday, so Matt is about to jump on here with me, and we are going to break down eight of the games from the week 14 slate, the first week of our fantasy playoffs. And it's a Monday show, which means we've got Mr. Matthew Fox back with us to break down eight of the Sunday games of Week 14, the first week of the Fantasy Playoffs. Matt, how was your weekend and how you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, my first weekend of playoffs was kind of expected, but hanging in there.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about it off air. It has been a Definitely a really weird week for fantasy players. A lot of studs not coming through. Some studs coming through. Just an all-around weird week of fantasy. So let's jump in and talk about some of the guys that came through for us and helped you either win a playoff matchup or knock you out of the playoffs. Prepare for glory!
1: I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored. Up
0: above his head. they can't jump oh, they the who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. all right so the first matchup we are gonna start with today was the Atlanta Falcons beating the Carolina Panthers not not quite at all what I expected completely knocking Carolina out of the playoffs so their playoff hopes were pretty slim to begin with on the Panther side here, Kyle Allen comes in a QB 10 with 22.1 points in this one. Uh, goes 28 for 41, 293 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Adds 24 yards on the ground and a touchdown. CMC bounces back and finishes in the top 10 this week. Uh, running back eight with 19 points, 53 yards on 11 carries and 82 yards on 11 catches. DJ Moore comes back to earth a little bit in this one. Still, uh, still having a great season, but not a great day if you started him. Wide receiver 36 with 10.1 points, 81 yards on four catches. And then Ian Thomas, me and Dennis talked about him on Friday. If Greg Olson was out, we said to throw him in. He comes through for you if you played him. Five catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown to come in at tight end seven with 14.2 points. So as I mentioned, likely the most players that were getting started here were CMC and Moore. If some of you took a shot on Thomas, that came through for you. Moving forward, we have no reason to doubt CMC, and I really don't think there's any reason to doubt Moore either. And if uh I really think if you made it into the next round, you're playing both of them. They've been phenomenal all season. But what about Thomas? I mean... Th- I feel like I mentioned this on the Friday podcast. Dennis wasn't so sure about it. I think this is kind of the end for Greg Olson. He's had a phenomenal career, and I hate to see him go out like this. Definitely one of the better guys in the game. Uh, but I think he's done a really good job on the TV side of things, on bye weeks and everything. I thought he was going to retire last year. Came back or a couple years ago, signed that two-year deal. This is the second year of the deal. Uh, do you think this is the end for Greg Olson? And if it is, what do you think about Ian Thomas moving forward in the playoffs?
1: You know, I've had high hopes for Ian Thomas for a couple of years. I actually have him as a a stash in a few dynasty leagues. I had thought we might see him take a step forward this year, and it really hadn't happened until kind of the last two weeks. I'm right there with you on Greg Olson. There was a lot of debate about whether he was even going to come back this season. He had gotten some offers, I think, to be in the broadcast booth. And I think he came back to try to do one last run at the time they were hopeful about Newton's health and they thought maybe they could make a last run to the playoffs. I get that, you know, Olson would have loved to try to get back to a Super Bowl. Everybody wants to kind of go out a winner. I think that's yeah. part of the reason Witten came back after taking the year off. People don't want to go out like that. Um, but it's just time he seems to not be able to keep that foot healthy. Um, you know, it's just plagued him the last few years. Thomas, an interesting guy. The the entire Carolina offense is really, I think, a little bit hard to figure week to week. Uh, you know, it seemed like the one constant was uh, McCaffrey was pretty bulletproof, but even the last couple of weeks, we've seen him held down or yeah. putting up, you know, more. They're not bad numbers. You get 17 or 19 points. That's good, but it's they're not, not the, where, you know, you were getting 40, 50 yeah, points. Exactly.
0: You were two players worth of points out of him earlier in the season.
1: So, you know, we've seen him hold back Curtis Samuel. Sometimes he's there. Sometimes he's not. I don't know how good I feel in general with the way Kyle Allen and this entire team has seemed to fall apart the last four or five weeks. How good in general I'd feel having to rely on somebody. But, you know, some of the places where I have Ian Thomas, my only other tight ends were like Trey Burton and Jimmy Graham. I like my chances with Ian Thomas and Noah Olson a lot better than so I think it depends on what you got.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. the The fall from grace here from this team has been ridiculous over the past couple weeks. I mean, we were—I mean, you literally go back and say, "I almost what three, four, five weeks ago, we were talking about them having a legit shot at being in the playoffs as one of the top wild card seeds," and they've just completely fallen off. I don't think they've won a game since then. I believe they were five and three, and and they just have not. They've they've lost five straight. I don't think you have anything to worry about. As I said earlier with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, I can't see anything that they would sit him. Uh, like I said, the, my biggest thing with Ian Thomas, as I talked about on the Friday's podcast, is I could really just see Olson not coming back. I don't, as you mentioned, he's really had a hard time keeping that foot healthy. I would not be surprised if he just does maybe comes back in week 16 or 17 as like a send-off game for him, like, you know, a, a nod to the fans. Because, again, he's been phenomenal, one of the best – tight ends to play, and in my opinion, just an all-around great guy. Uh, if you know anything about him, his story, the story of his one of his kids, uh, it's been phenomenal. So uh, hats off to him. The one thing I'll say about him and Witten, uh, he's a lot better in the booth than Witten was. I think that's another reason why Witten came back, because he was getting crushed about how bad he was on that Monday night football booth. But uh, regardless of what happens, I think if Olsen is out, I think Ian Thomas is a good play the rest of the season, because he definitely was getting looked at a, a lot there by Kyle Allen, at least in this game. On the Falcons' side here, Matt Ryan, 20-34, 313 yards and two touchdowns. Comes in at QB 11 with 21.3 points. Devonta Freeman, a great play this week going up against the Panthers. RB 10 with 17 points in this one, 84 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries. Uh, just uh, 10 yards on four catches in this one. Brian Hill also scores a touchdown if you, for whatever reason, decided to play him. RB 19 with 12.2 points in this one. 62 yards and a touchdown on nine carries. Does not do anything in the receiving game. Calvin Ridley, the best wide receiver. Wide receiver 13 with 16.1 points. 76 yards and a touchdown on five catches. Julio Disappoints, which is 66 yards on five catches. And Austin Hooper, 32 yards on two catches. And, of course, you have to mention, because I'm sure everybody was playing Olamide I don't even know how to say his last name. Zacchaeus. who gets his one catch for 93 yards and a touchdown. It's a great play. Obviously, somewhat joking. Although, I did see a couple people talking about how they were high on him last year coming in the draft. Good on them, because I don't even know who this kid is, if I'm being honest with you guys. But on the Falcons' side here, obviously, if you played Freeman due to the matchup, which I should have, I said to play him, and I didn't listen. I benched him uh, for David Montgomery, and that obviously is going to cost me a playoff spot, if I'm being honest. Uh, But Ridley comes through. Julio lets you down. Hopefully, he – I mean – Hopefully he does something for you. I didn't even read their fantasy scores, I don't think, but Ridley wide receiver 13 with 16.1 points. Julio wide receiver 42 with 9.1. Uh, and Austin Hooper, I talked about it on Friday's pod. I know there was all the talk, obviously, about him coming back. I hope you guys listened and didn't play him. Uh, I know Dennis was saying that he would because of how good he's been, but coming off an injury like that scares me. Just was not able to do much in this one. Uh, with that being said, now we've seen him back out there a little bit again. I don't even think he played the whole game, but he was out there. Did get six t- Target's caught two of them. Are you trusting Hooper moving on next week with as good as he better? Or is this one of those things where you kind of have to wait to see it, especially with us going now into week 15 and into the semifinals?
1: So a few few thoughts about Atlanta. First, Brian Hill with the ultimate troll game. Uh when Freeman's out and everybody's excited to see Hill be the number one back, he, you know, <laughs> he could not buy 20 <laughs> yeah. yards. And now uh I think this also tells you the Panthers have have really kind of fully imploded and changed and letting their coach go didn't do a ton for them. I would look to see who Carolina is playing the next two playoff weeks because you're gonna get some good production in the running game. Atlanta hasn't been able to run successfully all season and they had two running backs who were uh you know, Devontae Freeman almost five yards a carry, Brian Hill almost seven yards a carry. Uh that that kind of gives you an impression. Calvin Ridley's been ruled out for the rest of the season with injury. Um, oh, I did not even so see think, that. I know
0: he yeah, got hurt in the game. That, I didn't know he got ruled out for the rest of the season.
1: Yep, that news uh, came out today. He he was uh, a little bummed out. The real trouble for the Falcons is they're at the 49ers this week. So even though I would say with that news, Freeman Cooper and Julio Jones would all be in play for me. I don't think it's going to be a great matchup. I know the saints put up a lot of yards and points at home against the 49ers, but the Falcons have not been that good. And the Falcons biggest weakness has been their offensive line. The front, uh, the front seven for San Francisco is no joke. Yeah. Um, I would think I would be definitely fading Freeman, although he'll hopefully get you some receptions. Hooper, hard hard to say. He's had such a great season. I think without Ridley, Jones and Hooper and Freeman are probably the most reliable players. You're, I would still say I'm moderating all expectations. Um, but yeah, I get, it's kind of a bummer abdominal injury for Ridley um, and he's gonna be out for the rest of the season. So.
0: Yeah, that does suck. Yeah, I can't. I don't know how I missed that. I knew that he had gotten hurt, but I didn't know he, they had said he was going to be out for the rest of the season. Because somebody else I know got ruled out, and I don't even remember who it is at this point. But, yeah, uh, I mean, with you mentioning them going up against the 49ers, I personally don't think I can trust any of them. I know that, like, as you just yeah. said, they put up a ton of points, and the Saints did as well. I think that was just an aberration of the game, though they were just kind of throwing it all over the place. Because San Francisco has not gotten beaten up like that uh, by anybody, even even Baltimore had not really done that to them. So,
1: well, and the Saints, the Saints at home are just kind of a special class oh, yeah. of team. It would really and Atlanta is has you know I know they haven't shown a big difference this year, but they had historically, especially with Ryan, been a much better home team than road team. So they're on the road, East Coast to West Coast not much of an offensive line I would definitely be you know well I'm would think that Julio Hooper and Freeman are the best bets going forward I'd definitely be fading them in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. Next up, the Cleveland Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals 27 to 19. Baker Mayfield 11 of 24, 192 yards and two interceptions which one interception and a fumble in my opinion. I don't know if you saw the David and Joku play, but I thought that was just retarded. Uh he comes in at QB 23 with 13 points. Kareem Hunt RB 14 with 13.8 points. 28 yards and a touchdown on nine carries. It's 40 yards on two catches. Uh Chubb, RB 18 with 12.2 points, 106 yards on 15 carries, just one catch for 11 yards. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 40 with 9.6 points, 76 yards on four catches. Odell, just 39 yards, two catches. I mean, in all honesty, once they got into the second half, the receiving game kind of died for the Browns. Uh, I really don't know what to say about this team, if I'm being honest. They just look bad. I I mean... This is a game in my opinion they should have easily won, blown out. Uh their Bengals horrible against the run. The Browns of course come out in the first half and are throwing the ball. I honestly think 20 uh, probably 20 of Baker's 24 attempts were in the first half. They were not running the ball at all. Second half comes around and they can't stop handing the ball off. So I am a little bit worried if I'm a Chubb owner, just because Chubb, uh, if anybody missed it, has like a 57 yard run, gets him down into the red zone. Now I'm sure he was kind of gassed, uh, but he, they immediately pull him out, send Hunt out there, Hunt gets the touchdown. Just as much as they're using Hunt in the red zone, I really, unfortunately, and in the receiving game, I think Chubb is limited to just his carries and hoping for a big play at this point because they're not using him that much in the red zone. That being said, he's still been reliable. He's still the NFL leading rusher right now. So I would still keep using him and I would keep using Hunt for me and Jarvis Landry's matchup based. I mean, he didn't have a bad day here. But whenever he goes up against a, like Arizona next week, I think he could have a better game. I still think Peterson lines up on Odell. Uh, so I would play Landry then, but in two weeks I would not play Landry against Baltimore because I don't know if he has a good game there. What's your take on the Browns' offense overall?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, obviously I think the running backs using Chubb. I agree with you. The ceiling that he had in the first part of the season seems to have been cut off. It's kind of disappointing you have two. Uh, Red zone rushing touchdowns, uh, neither of them go to your primary running back because Hunt gets it and then Mayfield takes one in. So that's kind of a a tough blow. And with any of these running backs that are primarily a a rusher and not a rusher and receiver, that touchdown variance is what, you know, swings your day from, you know, he's got what – 13 points, he could have had 20 points. You know, that's a pretty big swing. Um, So that's tough. Bayfield is the one that's really tough to figure. You would have thought, especially at home, this is a good matchup against Cincinnati. And 11 for 24, less than 200 yards, two interceptions, you know, I I didn't see – uh, the play you're talking about, so maybe give him a little bit of credit for that being a little bit of a bust. But being sub-50% passing this late in the season against a 1-11 opponent is a little bit mind-boggling, and that's going to put a huge ceiling cap on the receivers. You already, with you know Hunt getting added into the mix with OVJ and Jarvis Landry and now Njoku's back, we're back to that situation of there's a lot of potential people to target and you know they only tossed it 24 times and only get 11 completions Yeah, it's really going to be hard for anybody to make a huge run now they have a good matchup potentially with arizona who hasn't had a great defense that's on the road and then you get baltimore that last which would probably be championship week for for fantasy purposes this feels like a much less dynamic offense than when they met Baltimore in week four. So, you know, that's a pressure pack situation. How good would you feel about toting anybody out if you're trying to win a fantasy title?
0: I mean, if I, if I'm looking that far ahead, the only one I'm probably feeling good about is hunt because I do think the Browns are going to get behind and, and he seems to be the only player they use when they get behind. Like, I know Chubb had a good game against him, but if you really go back and look at it, it was because he broke off those two really big runs on that game in that game, and then he got a touchdown right on the one-yard line that he rushed in. That caused him to have a really good game. Uh, you know, the Browns' defense was turning the ball over, and they were doing a really good job of limiting uh, Lamar and them from, from doing anything and kept getting a couple short fields, and that's why they were able to put up some of the points that they were. So I don't think it's going to be at all the same kind of game we saw last time. Uh, I'm with you. Like I said, okay. Chubb, I think you just, you have to play him because he has that. We, we saw it in that one, like really had, and, and I don't want to say anything bad because it is hard obviously to block for a player running downfield because especially on that play Chubb was kind of weaving in and out trying to get to the end zone. Uh and oh I believe it was Odell was doing a really good job of blocking for him, but I don't he didn't realize Chubb was trying to cut to the outside and he was trying to block the guy outside, which eventually led to, to Chubb getting tackled on like the five yard line. So had that not happened, he'd get you the touchdown. Chubb is just so good and they are going to continue to feed him. It seems, for the most part, I mean, he is getting right around 15 carries, except for when Freddie Kitchens is being an idiot, which could happen in any game. We've seen that. Uh, so I would still continue to play him and Hunt, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. That Baltimore game, it's if you have better options, I would probably go with them, especially over Hunt, but I would imagine at this point you probably don't have a better option over Chubb. Again, with him leading the league in rushing and, and him, for the most part, being the quote-unquote workhorse, although, uh, again, he's not getting used in the in the passing game like he like he was in the past. Yeah. On uh, the Bengals' side here, Andy Dalton comes back, and, and I was hoping that he'd have a better game here. Uh, just 22-38, 262 yards and an interception. Comes in at QB 28 with 10.6 points. Joe Mixon has a huge game, though, which I was not expecting. We said on Friday's podcast you had to play him, but I was not expecting 146 yards on 23 carries and a touchdown. Added 40 yards on three catches. Comes in RB3 on the week with 26.1 points. And then Tyler Boyd, 75 yards on five catches in this one. Wide receiver 35 with 10.7 points. Uh Auden Tate got hurt pretty uh early in the second quarter, I believe, was ankle You got rolled up on, just had the one catch for 16 yards. I mean, with Dalton back, it really has seemed to help out mix in the past couple games. I, I would imagine, again, moving forward through the playoffs, it's just mixing and Boyd that you're trusting with the Bengals.
1: Yeah, I was curious to see what John Ross would do because he had been so hot at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, three targets, two for twenty-eight. Maybe it, l- it takes a little while to work back in. Uh, they said the injury he had was uh, was pretty serious, um, and that it was kind of a miracle he came back. What's interesting to me, Mixon doing better with Dalton back. It seemed like at the beginning of the season with Dalton in there, Mixon couldn't buy yardage and they couldn't block for anything. I'm I'm not sure. I understand exactly what's fundamentally changed for Cincinnati that they're now able to gash people on the run. I think that uh, more than anything is probably a grim sign for Cleveland when they play Baltimore, because Baltimore's entire uh, focus is usually on the ground. Um, You know, we hadn't seen Mixon and Cincinnati being able to do much of anything rushing wise. So I don't know if maybe losing Garrett and, uh, you know, ennui has set in for Cleveland, but kind of a shocking, yeah. I'm with you, shocking for Mixon. I was, you know, we've had set of all season you have to start him, but it seemed like it's been a struggle for him to get anything. He averaged over six yards of carry yesterday and he's still getting pretty steady receiving work, three forty. Um That's a real positive sign. If you held on to him and held out hope and you made the playoffs, uh, he would have been probably a a first-round winner for you yesterday.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think for Mixon, again, I I watched this full game, obviously. A lot of his work came in the second half where I do think it's it's the Garrett effect. That defensive line is just getting so worn down because they're having to use the same guys. Because Sheldon Richardson got banged up in this one. Uh, who else did they, that, that got hurt? Olivier Vernon still dealing with that knee injury. I think he came limping off in like the second quarter. I don't think he even made it back in. They had cut, uh, Chad Smith, uh, the defensive lineman who unfortunately lost his wife earlier in the year to bring up another offensive lineman. So they, they have no depth at their defensive line. They're playing like, uh, I think they're most of the time running a three, four, and they've got like four defensive linemen. So they've got one guy that's subbing in and out. By the, th- by the time the second half came on, because they bo- they were running the ball so much, not just with-, with Mixon, but Bernard, it just seemed like that defensive line could not do anything. Like, in the fourth quarter, they were just running through them. It was bad. So, uh, I- I'm with you. I think if they do anything, they might be able to hold Baltimore in check for a quarter or two, but then after that, I think it's going to be, they're going to run wild because they-, they just have no depth here. Miles Garrett being out, you know, as I said, Sheldon Richardson ran into a, a heater and got hurt in this one. So it's just it, it's not been great at all for the Browns. Next up, speaking of the Baltimore Ravens, they came and played the Buffalo Bills in this one and came away with the win 24-17. A pretty good game all around. Lamar Jackson comes in at QB 12. With uh my goodness, what was it? 12.8 or sorry, 20.8 points, 16 to 25, 145 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Does get 40 yards on the ground. Mark Ingram, 50 yards on 15 carries to come in at RB27 with 9.4 points. Does add 29 yards on three catches. Willie Sneed, the best wide receiver on the day with a touchdown and three catches for 13 yards. And then Hayden Hurst, 73 yards and a touchdown on three catches. Tied in six with 14.8 points. Gets a 61-yard touchdown play in this one was well, definitely a tough matchup. I mean, the Bills have been known to give up a little bit of yardage on the ground, but their defense in the secondary is just phenomenal. It's right up there with the best in the league. You know, Hayden Hurst play at withstanding. They they really did a good job shutting down the passing game, in my opinion. Um, and, and they really did a good job in, in shutting down Ingram and Lamar. I mean, they did not do a whole lot on the ground, just 90 yards combined altogether. So not a bad day for the— uh, for the Buffalo Bills defense, they just couldn't get that offensive offense going. Moving forward, Andrew's dealing with an injury as well. Are you worried yep. about him? I, I, I don't I – yes. don't. Yeah? Okay. They said it's
1: a knee injury. He was a non-participant uh, today. Um, also, apparently on the injury report, Lamar Jackson with a quad injury was a limited participant. So that would be something to watch, uh, anything that would limit his uh, – you know, part of the appeal of Jackson and what's, you know, made him in the MVP discussion is not that he can't pass because I think he he's surprised many of us with how much better he's got as a passer, but being that dual threat, and if you see that sort of get limited or taken away, it would be interesting to see what happens. But I, I think I would be concerned, Andrews, with uh, a knee injury. Um, you know, he's a guy that's been reliable and rock steady. Um I had actually handcuffed him with Boyle in a few places because we've seen him have a role. He got caught a touchdown pass, so that would be interesting. It's a real toss-up whether Hurst or Boyle would be a better player. I think tight end for the Ravens is still the best bet in their passing game. And if Andrews is there, he's obviously the best focal point. But if he's out, I don't know that we got a great option yesterday a great look at who it would be because if you take away Hurst's kind of that 61 yard touchdown where he broke free basically uncovered he had two catches for 12 yards which isn't great Boyle two for 10 one of those happens to be a touchdown so it would be you know there's going to be value there somewhere it's a matter of you know who it's going to be especially if Jackson is gimpy they're playing the jets on thursday night i would say you're gonna not have andrews this week because for a team that's the number one seed that's thinking about super bowl they're not going to rush back an important cog in their offense who has a knee injury for a game like that so i think either way because of the schedule you're looking at not having them not having andrews for this kind of crucial fantasy playoff week uh, Jets not a team that scares you. Maybe this ends up being a great week for Hollywood Brown.
0: Yeah, it could be. I mean, if you look in, I mean, on top of that, Baltimore, for the most part, pretty clear in their in holding the the top spot in the AFC. I mean, they have the one win over Bal- uh New England right now, but that's really in a way like a one point five because they have the tiebreaker over New England, so they would have to lose two of the next three games to kind of get out of that. So I would – I didn't even know about the quad injury for him. That would worry me as well. I don't think he sits this week, obviously, because it's still a, a crucial yeah. matchup, but maybe they limit his running a little bit, which is, is really what's kind of been bringing back his fantasy production. I'm with you on Andrews. but then playing Thursday night, there's no chance he's out there. And, and I don't know what you can do to, to handcuff him. I mean, I, I would – if you can, go grab Ian Thomas would be my suggestion because I would not try and grab Nick Boyle yeah. or Hayden Hurst. Because you just don't know which one it's going to be. You could take a stab on either one of them and hope that it works out. I mean, Hayden Hurst was, for for those of you who may not remember, he was considered the number one tight end going into the uh, the NFL season last year. And even I said back then that I don't think Hayden Hurst is that good. Like, Mark Andrews was my guy. I had been on him all then, and he came through in the end of the season and obviously became the, the tight end one this season. So maybe it's Hurst, but Nick Boyle has been more productive so far this season. So I'm with you. I, I would not... If I have Andrews, try and get someone like an Ian Thomas. I guess would be my my suggestion. If you can't, I think I'd probably lean Boyle if I had to choose between him and Hurst. Again, I know Hurst had yeah. the one big play, but Boyle would be the I, guy that I'd go.
1: We've seen Boyle have a steady role throughout the season, so that would be my first impression too. You know, that's what leads me to wonder whether Brown. You know, if you see. Jackson being more of a pocket passer, it seemed in the games where he's run less and thrown more that Marquise Brown has thrived a little bit and the Jets don't have an incredible defense. I think what you're going to see from Lamar Jackson, the real thing that could be a blow also to fantasy owners who are in the playoffs, a lot of teams have had Jackson at quarterback and have been riding that hot hand all the way through, uh, you know, is – Definitely possible that he puts up a good enough passing day to overcome it. It's also possible that they get ahead by a couple of touchdowns. They aren't worried about the Jets and they take him out and yeah. put RG3 and to mop up the mean. game. And you have a situation where you can't fault the Ravens pr- for protecting their franchise, who's a little bit dinged up as they're going to the NFL playoffs, but in terms of fantasy playoffs. If you end up with, you know, what some of us got from Russell Wilson or Josh Allen on the opposite side this week and like a 10 or 12 point game, that can really hammer you in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd be worried about that in all honesty the next two weeks because the Jets, I could easily see that happen and them get up four touchdowns early and or three even three touchdowns early. Like, all right, Lamar, take a seat because we've seen RG3 come in in a couple games already this season without there being an injury to Lamar. And he's played just as well, or just, I mean, not as Lamar, but he's played good enough to stay in there and, and make the offense productive. And then they got the Browns next week, and I honestly don't think that's going to be that competitive of a matchup either. I know it's at home for Cleveland, but still, it's not... You know, with the way this defense is playing and everything, I would not be surprised if they do the same thing, get up a couple touchdowns. You know what? They pull Lamar. So it's definitely something we need to watch. I, I don't know. At this time, I think you kind of have to leave him in your lineup because he's just so good. And maybe one of those touchdowns he gets you is like a 40-yard touchdown run, and right there might make your day uh, for a fantasy day. But it's definitely something to watch moving forward because, again, as, as we're, we're in the elimination weeks now. We're about to move on to the semifinals. Uh, if you've got a better quarterback, I know in a league uh, – In my main Dynasty League, one of the guys has Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott. I think I'd probably ride with Dak the next couple weeks just because I know that he's not getting pulled out of any games. Uh, You mentioned on the Bills side there, Josh Allen kind of having a bad day here. QB 25 with 12.7 points, just one touchdown, 146 yards, 17 of 39. uh, Does add nine carries in this one, fumbles the ball twice and uh, loses it one time. Devin Singletary has a good game, though. 89 yards on 17 carries and 29 yards on six catches really has come in and become Buffalo's main running back. Dawson Knox just 37 yards on one catch. Cole Beasley 29 yards and a touchdown on four catches. John Brown shut down on this one, 26 yards on three catches. Uh, Bad game, obviously for Buffalo. They do seem, uh, I mean, they seem to be the opposite of no, they seem to be the same as the Cowboys. They can't beat winning teams, uh, but they, you know. Beaten, I mean, they're nine and four, so they're not a bad team, but they really seem to struggle against the upper echelon of teams, I guess is the way I would put it. Play the Steelers next Sunday night. Good Steelers defense. I still think you can trust Singletary, and I want to say I, I, I kind of think you can actually trust all four of them the main four guys here in Allen, Beasley as a flex, John Brown as a wide receiver, too, and then obviously Singletary. Do you agree with that?
1: Brown kind of scares me. He's had a few down weeks in a row that. Pittsburgh's secondary is pretty stout, you know, with Minka Fitzpatrick back there. They have a couple of good corners. Josh Allen's uh, ability as a passer has gotten better, I think, in this year too. But he's not an incredible passer. I think the one I, the probably the two I'd feel most comfortable with in that situation is Allen and Singletary. Um, Usually, Allen helps you out more rushing. You know, it's a tough game last week, but he's been pretty solid all season. I don't know how good you'd feel if you had to, you know, if you pulled them, but Singletary is doing well, getting yards on the ground. And has also been an active part of the passing game. Um, Beasley might be the one that I would prefer over Brown at this point, which is kind of a reversal from where they were f- like four weeks ago, where it seemed like yeah. Brown was the pretty solid passing option. It feels like it's flipped, um, you know, maybe because of the routes and the run and the past defenses they're facing but it'll be an interesting uh, matchup, you know. As as interesting as this season has been, you know, New England seemed untouchable a few weeks ago. There, so only one game separating them, and they still have one game to play together. If if Buffalo can keep winning and keep with them, and can win that game, you could actually end up in a situation where they flip the script and end up yep. uh, taking that division.
0: Well, not only that, I mean, you have this game right here is a big one for both teams because if the Steelers win, they all all of a sudden jump up to the top wild card spot as well over yeah. Buffalo because there's only a game separating them, and then they'll get the win and then the uh, the tie break of the head to head victory as well. So,
1: and they pretty around, much punch their ticket, I think, for the playoffs for the Steelers if they yeah. win that game oh, yeah. tonight. Um,
0: I agree with I, you on that.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, the one thing I will say, and, and I will, we'll definitely talk about it more on Thursday because I know we're going to dive in, you, me, and Tony, into the playoff teams and probably some of the big matchups coming forward this week. Uh, Cole Beasley actually does scare me a little bit coming forward into this one because you just mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick. For the most part, he travels in the slot, and that's where Cole Beasley is going to be, and we've seen how on fire he's been. So I'm, I'm a little bit more worried about Cole Beasley going into this matchup, but you are right. He has by far outperformed John Brown the past couple weeks. Uh next up uh, a game that I did not expect to be a game at all in the Washington Redskins and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers winning this one 22-15 on Washington side Dwayne Haskins 16 to 27 170 yards. One touchdown and one interception to come in at QB 30 with 9.7 points. Chris Thompson, uh the leading uh Running back here, but all because of the work he put in on the ground. 43 yards on seven catches. Oh, I don't know how I missed Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson had a good game. 76 yards on 20 carries and a touchdown. Guys, just 42 yards on five carries. Had a long 23-yard run where he got hurt. <clears throat> he was the one that I was thinking about earlier.
1: Yeah, I would he's imagine. been ruled out for this uh, for a week. 15 for sure yeah. they're awaiting an the MRI to see if he's gone for the rest of the season with knee injury.
0: I feel like he's probably going to be gone the rest of the year, which sucks, because this yeah. kid just keeps coming back and battling, looks phenomenal, and then gets hurt. It, it, it sucks to see because I really like him. Uh, and then Terry McLaurin, uh, I, I don't remember. I think me and Dennis both said to start him on Friday, or maybe just Dennis did, uh, but he comes through for you. 57 yards and a touchdown on four catches against a good Green Bay secondary. Coming in at wide receiver 20 with uh, 13.7 points. With guys going down with the injury, I really feel like it's just McLaurin as a flex play moving forward. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, depending on the matchup, maybe Adrian Peterson. He just continues to grind away. They really seem to want to pound the run. Uh, 76 yards and a touchdown gets you, what, 13.6 points. Uh, You know, that's definitely in flex range, at least. Yeah. Uh, McLaren was better this week, but I still feel like their passing game is a bit of a mystery. I don't, have we seen Dwayne Haskins get to 200 yards in a game yet?
0: Nope, not at all. And it's it's a little worrisome, if I'm being
1: honest. But I think they get the Eagles next week, which I mean, you're not going to find a lot more friendly passing targets. So I guess based on that matchup, I probably would steer clear of, peterson but maybe chris thompson picks up some you know it's so weird he's seemed to be like the odd man out all season and then all of a sudden out of nowhere is just like dwayne haskins best friend yeah i think (laughs) really in terms of playoffs i would be a little bit nervous if i had to rely on washington in general
0: yeah, I mean, that's why I said McLaurin for me. I'm pretty sure I was the one on Friday's podcast to say I, I, I would not trust him going up against the secondary. And obviously, he comes through for you, so hopefully you did not take my advice on that. Um A lot of us had guys going because of the run game. Obviously, that doesn't come through. None of us can predict injury, but I'm with you. In all honesty, what would worry me about McLaurin, even though he has the plus matchup this week against the Eagles— is the fact that that defensive line is so good, them getting the pressure in Haskins' face is even going to be able to get the ball to McLaurin. So Thompson, I don't know if you can trust him. I think if he does it again this week, maybe in week seven, uh, 16 as a as a flex play, you can throw him in there. Uh, he obviously hasn't been healthy some of the year, and then obviously guys going down, they're going to rely on him some. But I feel like at this point in time in the season, it's going to be really hard to kind of throw him in your lineup when you haven't been using him all season. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. On Green Bay's side, Aaron Rodgers uh, doesn't have to do much because Aaron Jones has just balled out in this game. 18-28, uh, of 28, 195 yards and a touchdown for Rodgers to come in at QB 22 with 13.4 points. Aaron Jones, RB2 with 28.2 points in this one, 134 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries. That's 58 yards on six catches. Uh Jamal Williams a little bit banged up coming in in this one. We said it on Friday's podcast. Aaron Jones in for a bounce-back game due to, I thought, the injury with Jamal Williams was going to give Aaron Jones a more run. He definitely got it. Uh, Devontae Adams, unfortunately, comes up short in this one. 41 yards on four catches. That being said, you're still playing Devontae Adams next week and Week 16 if you get there because he is just an absolute stud. Does the performance you saw out of Aaron Jones, though yesterday give you more hope? I mean, in in all honesty, he was a player that you probably could have left on your bench leading up until this week, because he has just not done anything the past three weeks. Uh are, do you have more faith in him now moving forward for the Packers?
1: Yeah, I probably had more faith than what you're alluding to anyway. I have not taken out him out of any of my lineups. Okay. I think his potential for doing what we saw yesterday is just too great, both, you know, breaking having a huge day on the ground or having huge uh you know, huge long passes. He's a, kind of an ultimate boom bust. Uh, you know, I'd put him in the low end R B two with the opportunity that he can he can rise for you. They have their final home game of the year next week against the Bears. Um, you know the Bears are an interesting team. We've seen a couple of different iterations of the Bears. That first week when they played on opening night in Chicago was an abysmal offensive game for yeah. both teams. So that would give me a little bit of a moment of pause. And then they're on the road at Minnesota, which is going to be a crucial game, probably in determining a lot of playoff situations and seeding I mean, the Packers have a ton to play for. They with all the events that happened yesterday, moved to be the second seed in the NFC. So, you know, they're potentially playing for home field and a bye. I think Jones, Adams, Rodgers are all people you're still looking at. Yeah, Knowing that, you know, it could not go your way. I feel like that's the story of 2019. How many sure things do we think there are out there? Even people who had been sure things throughout the season, like McCaffrey we've seen take – take steps back people yeah. who had been suppressed all season like Mixon, suddenly coming out of the gate and exploding in the playoffs. You know, I think, you know, we, it was a really tough week last week, but you, you still got to go with riding your studs, playing the guys that got you there and hoping it's enough.
0: Yeah. It, I feel like uh, we've been saying this all season or maybe just a little bit, but it's definitely been a weird year. I mean, if you look at some of the guys that, I mean, I'll just keep going back to my my hometown Cleveland Browns. I mean, Eli Manning throwing the ball to Odell, which everybody thought was like the worst thing for Odell, and Odell still finishes a top 24 wide receiver last year. I don't even think he's in the top 30 this year right now. Like, it's just been bad for him. Devontae Adams was horrible at the beginning of the year. Gets injured, misses a bunch of time, then all of a sudden has been like the fourth best wide receiver since he's come back. DeAndre Hopkins struggled earlier this year. He's bounced back to having a good year. I think – Alvin Kamara has just been god-awful most of the season. Zeke, we all thought he was going to be a top running back after getting paid. He's putting up yards but not scoring touchdowns. Dallas, we talked about it on Friday's podcast, he had 11 carries in the game. Eight of them came on the first drive. Like, it was just ridiculous how how much they've gone away from him. I think, really, you're looking at just a few – I mean, God, I hate to admit this, even though he's had a couple really bad games, but Amari Cooper has been one of those guys who's been really good all season long. Dalvin Cook, CMC. Like There's not been a lot of players that you can rely on all season. So it's, it's uh, you are right, well, it's I mean, definitely a weird, we've been a weird season.
1: Think about the consensus top four picks probably for redraft in some order this year would have been Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott. Yep. If you had one of those players and you made it into the playoffs, you probably didn't win your first round matchup. If that was what you built your team around. I mean, I have yep. many teams... Built around Kamara and a couple of them. Praise, praise the Lord. I had first round buys because I looked at my teams that were destroying people in October and early in November that yeah. didn't get to eighty points that are sitting there on a buy that I know I'm probably going to get blown out in the semifinals.
0: Oh, and I even forgot we won't we won't we're not going to get to his game today. But Derrick Henry has honestly been probably the most <laughs> one of the most consistent yeah, running backs all season. Yeah, he's probably been consistent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, one Again, one of the most consistent running backs all season, and he came through for it yesterday despite the injury, Dalvin Cook. Vikings uh, at home beat Detroit 22-7. Uh, Detroit run, running out there with David Blau again. Looks like Matt Stafford's likely going to be done for the rest of the year. I can't imagine they bring him back at this point. No. Blau is uh, QB 29 with 10.2 points, 205 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, 24-40. Bo Scarborough, 65 yards on 19 carries. RB 36 with 7.5 points. And Kenny Galladay continues to be the man. A touchdown on 58 yards and 6 catches. Wide receiver 16 with 14.8 points. Galladay, I mean, we've talked about it a bunch of times. You have to keep playing him. It doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. He's fine. He's going to be out there. Uh, I don't think I can trust anybody else in that receiving game. I know Marvin Jones has had a couple good games here and there. But Kenny Galladay is the only one for me. But Bo Scarborough, I know that... He hasn't put up flashy numbers. He's been, in all honesty, very consistent every single week. He's getting you about 60 to 80 rushing yards every single game. My question with him is Is there any chance that you see him possibly being a future back here in Detroit? Now, I don't think he takes the rollover from Carry On Johnson, but do you think he's worked his way onto the roster, especially with his injured, injury prone as we've seen carry on, to carry on Johnson be the past couple seasons?
1: I mean, it's certainly possible, I think, you know, if you remember, Detroit started the season they had C.J. Anderson, you know, behind Johnson. They quickly moved on from that. Then it looked like Ty Johnson was going to be the next man-up guy. They saw him play, and they were like, nope, that's not going to work. So, you know, Scarborough at least has performed when given uh, some opportunities. But this has been, you know, an underwhelming year for detroit i think i'd be hard-pressed to say what i think they do well on either side of the ball which is pretty uh damning you know their defense has been a sieve against the run and the pass uh most weeks which which is curious you know patricia was known as a defensive guy they still have some pieces in place you know stafford looked good i thought Before his injury really kind of had a bounce back year. Carry on Johnson never got on track, um, which was kind of frustrating and interesting to watch. Galladay has been great, but TJ Hawkinson, you know, he had that incredible first Sunday as a pro and really did nothing. The rest of the season ends up on IR. There are a ton of questions. um, You know, I've even seen people speculating about whether Patricia's going to get a year three, which you know it's hard to remember at one point in time you know that game that they play, that the lions played in green bay i think they were like 3-1 one, and 1 yep at yeah, one point in time and they they got kind of jobbed by the officials and it, at a point when it looked like they might surge to the front of the division i they quietly just imploded we've talked about carolina imploding this has been an even stranger and bigger implosion, in my yeah. opinion. And I don't know what it means uh, going forward. I would say anyone that's out there right now is playing for a job.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say with Detroit, and and, and you are right, they have imploded. I mean, it, if you really go back and think about it, they should have beaten Arizona. I thought they got kind of screwed in that, and, and they end up finishing with the tie. They got screwed in the Chiefs game, in my opinion, as well. They had the Chiefs mm-hmm. on the ropes, and they should have beaten them. That's Same right. with Green Bay. They were looking really good in the earlier in the season. I do think some of the injuries on defense has hurt them because if you go back, they were actually playing really good on defense. A Couple of the injuries, Slay's been kind of beat up. I think that has what's led to them just kind of getting it all, honesty, throwing all over and run all over. I would think it's be a, it would be a mistake to let go of Patricia, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do it. It, it. Everybody, it seems like in the NFL now is kind of in that win now mode. It, it's too everybody's just ready for the next best thing. Well, Detroit just has
1: not, as an organization, had, you know, this isn't all on Matt Patricia. They were poor for a long time before him with Caldwell and with Jim Schwartz. They just haven't had a lot to to cheer about. And I think there was a lot of expectation. You know, our friend John thought that Detroit was going to be a sneaky team to possibly win the division in. Through the first half of October, that looked legitimate. And they looked like they were having a renaissance and they, you know, They've just kind of completely fallen into a black hole. I am with you. I wouldn't move on from Patricia. I'd like to see him actually get to coach a team that has all of its pieces. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just – it's strange.
0: Yeah, for sure. On the Vikings side here, Kirk Cousins, 24-30, 242 yards, and a touchdown in this one to come in at QB19 with 13.6 points. Dalvin Cook, RB13 with 14.5 points, 62 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown, just 13 yards on two catches. Alexander Madison did get a lot of run in here, which we kind of expected. Uh, And uh, Stephon Diggs, 92 yards on six catches to come in at wide receiver 28 with 12.2 points. So for the most part, for the plays that I saw, Cook looked fine. I mean, it made a perfect sense to me that Alexander Madison was getting the run that he got. Just to make sure Cook didn't get any more beat up as as Minnesota is playing for a playoff spot. That is more important than obviously our fantasy seasons. But for the most part, at least Cook comes through for you. Again, 14 points, that's not a bad day. Obviously, you were hoping for more if you're a Cook owner, but that doesn't cost you a loss in my opinion. So I think all three of those guys are the main players here. We don't know when we're going to get Phelan back. Uh So moving forward, those are the three guys for me. I don't know if it affects Diggs' value as much once Thielen comes back. I kind of need to see it because Diggs has been just absolutely outstanding with Thielen uh, with Thielen out. What are, what's your take on the Minnesota Vikings' offense and, and then moving forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, so you, do you think Diggs has gone back to an every week you just plug him in and and feel good about it?
0: Yeah, I mean he's been he's been producing. I, I, like I said, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens once Thielen comes back because it really was when Thielen was in there, it seemed like Kirk was always going to Thielen and Diggs was just kind of this forgotten guy. But since Thielen's been out, Diggs has been outstanding.
1: Yeah, I'm. well, I don't know if I even totally feel that. Seattle, you know, he had four catches for 25. Against Dallas, he had three catches for 49 uh, against Kansas City. He had one catch for four yards. You know, he had one big explosion against Denver, five for 121 and a touchdown. A lot of that on one 54 yard bomb for a touchdown. I feel like he's still a little bit of a great unknown. I would have thought you would have seen more from him. It seemed like the one that really has benefited. It, it feels like Diggs has had the same possibility you know and ebb and flow uh with feeling out that he had with feeling in it seems like the ones that have really benefited with feeling out has been you get a little bit of a uptick for bc johnson but it's really been kyle rudolph and irv smith that seem like they have picked up the slack because you were getting zip from right. tight ends yeah and true. all of a sudden both those guys have become uh pretty relevant because i'm trying to th- remember exactly which game it was when uh, Thielen went out. But, you know, November 3rd was the Kansas City game. Diggs won for four. The very next week in Dallas, three for 49. Then that that Denver one, which is broken play, um, hopes. Then they oh, were off a week. Which
0: one was it? I want to say it was the Lions game. I want to say... The Lions game was the one that he first got hurt in. I don't think he played against the Reds. Is either the Redskins or the Chiefs is where he came back and played the one. I think the one drive, and then was out. So I want to say it was probably the Chiefs game because I think he sat for a week. So I would assume it was the Redskins game. He sat. Chiefs game. He comes back, played the one drive, and then was
1: out. Well, and he had that stretch, you know, in October where he had seven receptions in three consecutive games, went over a hundred yards in three consecutive games. He had that three touchdown explosion against Philly. And I yeah. thought he was just like an automatic every week start. And Thielen went out and then it seems like it hurt him. I, I believe those three kind of explosion weeks, he had Thielen in there with him. And I wonder if it might almost help him a little bit uh, to have corners and, and good coverage people taking, focus off him uh it right. just i i like Diggs. i have him on a lot of teams i have not felt super confident at any point this season like rolling him out and saying yep he's my guy i'm gonna be good to go
0: yeah i guess i can understand that i mean i did kind of forget about how good the tight ends have been since Thielen has gone out we've talked about it many a times it kind of seems like the correlation between Thielen going out and Rudolph and Smith's uptick has been kind of obviously yeah. connected, so you might be right on that part. Next up, a offensive bonanza that I was not expecting whatsoever between the 49ers and the Saints. 49ers winning 48-46 on the backs of Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle. Jimmy G, 26-35, 349 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception to come in as QB5 with 29.1 points. Raheem Mostert, RB4 with 23.9 points, 69 yards on 10 carries and 1 touchdown. Adds 40 yards and a touchdown on 2 catches. Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver 2, 30.6 points, 157 yards on 7 catches and a touchdown, and throws a 35-yard touchdown as well. Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver 15 with 15.3 points in this one. Gets you... uh, 18 yards, two touchdowns on three catches. And then George Kittle, uh, I'm sorry, Debo Samuel, 76 yards on five catches. Wide receiver, 21 with 13.4 points. And George Kittle, tight end three with 15.7 points, 67 yards, six catches and a touchdown. Friday, we talked about it. I'm sorry if you guys listened to us and you did not start Emmanuel Sanders. I was not expecting that game
1: from him whatsoever.
0: I, I mean, we talked about it. I'll be honest, I did not see... Any of this going down the way that it did, I thought Debo and George Kittle would be good plays. Me and Dennis talked about the running backs, and I was—I said that I didn't think I could start any of them because we've seen most start getting run. Breida has the most carries on the team up until this point. Tevin Coleman has been in and out. Like I just didn't know who you could trust. And then, obviously, Sanders and Mostert go off. So, with that being said, we know you're playing Debo because he's still been good, even though he doesn't get the touchdown yesterday. A, gr- a good game for you. Flexworthy play. George Kittle, still a top tight end. What are we doing with Mostert and Sanders now moving forward? Because I almost feel like Mostert has moved his way into being the lead back in this backfield.
1: Yeah, see, that's what I was going to ask you. We wondered what it was going to be like. It seemed like if Matt Breida was gone, Mostert had at least a guaranteed half share. Agree, yeah. The question was, Matt, Breida comes back. Does Mostert keep that? Does Breida get rotated out? Or is Tevin Coleman dead? And it appears, if we're basing yesterday, that Tevin Coleman is now the odd man out. Yeah. And that Breida is your kind of number two guy. And Mostert seems like he's worked his way up to be the, number one. the lead dog and yeah. possibly a guy, you know, somebody who's been free all season on the waivers. We we always talk about who's going to be that one player that that you pick up on a lark or something that ends up being a league winner because he's the guy in the playoffs. You didn't realize it was going to be him and probably most people didn't play him. I know I, I have several shares on my bench um, yeah. sitting there. He and Sanders and unfortunately Drew Locke looking at me on a lot of benches <laughs> made me... Um, made me forsake football at night for some superhero shows. Yeah, I don't blame you. Sanders, you know, I had started him for so many weeks because it seemed like he was kind of the top receiver and was going to have flex value. And the last two or three weeks, he's given you nothing. Yesterday, I actually was like, well, I'm going to play James Washington because he seems to be getting the deep balls. And, of course, he does nothing, and I'm watching Emmanuel Sanders just light it up. Yeah. I still think he's probably in that wide receiver three flex range. Uh, he definitely has a lot of talent. He's always been a big home run hitter. The question has frequently been whether San Francisco is going to throw enough and he's going to get enough targets and volume. They're playing Atlanta next week. Atlanta has been pretty friendly all all season. The 49ers have tons to play for. They worked their way back into the number one seed in the NFC with their win yesterday. Yeah. But they still the need to... Lost play strong to hold that you know the seahawks are pushing them uh you know there's other teams pushing them obviously green bay new orleans is still out there pushing you know so that fierce battle for the top of the nfc is great for us as fantasy owners because it means all these these teams with that are good that are winning their divisions that have all these players still have tons to play for I almost think Mostert is the guy that we're going to trust most going forward. We saw them all back and all available yesterday, and still they came back to him, and he, he's he been doing a ton with it. Breida looked pretty good, too. Nine yards per carry average is, is pretty decent. Uh, it seems like Tevin Coleman, who you know they were talking about in the same sentence as Jerry Rice after he puts up four touchdowns in October of this year, has somehow played his way completely off of the radar.
0: Yeah, I mean, so just going back and looking at it, last week a 19 carries for Mostert, uh, just one for Tevin Coleman, and the week before Tevin Coleman outsnapped him 11-6, but Mostert was more productive. So I'm with you. I think he's moved himself into that top dog role, and I'm playing him next week, especially against an Atlanta Falcons team that is very fantasy-giving. Like, they give up a ton of points. Okay. So I'm with you. On all that, and it's crazy to think, because I'm going to be honest, I had Mostert on the Dynasty League that I was talking about earlier, and I dropped him because he was doing nothing. I didn't see any point keeping him because I thought it was going to be the Coleman Breed to show. Someone else picked him up, and now I'm sitting here looking at that team, actually, that I'm playing this week in the semifinals, hoping they don't use Raheem Mostert against me because (laughs) I feel like he's going to be a league winner this season.
1: That was the most 2019 sentence anyone's ever said about this fantasy season. Yeah,
0: I know it's so frustrating. I'm gonna be—I'm just telling you right now—if I lose next week and he plays Raheem Mostert, there won't be a podcast Monday because I'll have just completely
1: given up on life. Maybe we can just play Taps for 45 minutes for people.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll do that. I'll, I'll enter—I'll insert some of me crying in there as well to kind of mix it up a little bit here and there. On the Saints side, Drew Brees has just a phenomenal day. Another player that was probably benched by a lot of people because he had not been playing well at all. And, of course, he has probably his best day of the season. 29 of 40, 349 yards. Interesting that they both threw for 349 yards as well. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and five touchdowns in this one to come in as QB1 with 40.1 points. Latavius Murray is the running back that comes through here. 69 yards on 7 carries adds 25 yards on 2 catches. To come in is RB22 with 10.4 points. Alvin Kamara just 25 yards on 13 carries and 18 yards on 4 catches. Not a good day for Kamara. I think he's still dealing with an injury. He did not look Fully healthy to me when I was watching parts of that game the other day. Michael Thomas continues to ball out. He's probably one of the very few first-round picks that has come through for you all season long. Wide receiver 3, 23.9 points, 134 yards, and a touchdown on 11 catches. And Jared Cook tied in 1 on the week with 19.4 points, 64 yards, two touchdowns on two catches, and it sucks. Got knocked out in this game, took a really bad hit. Uh, didn't look like it was a... Uh, 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 It was a vicious hit, I meant to say. It was the word I'm looking for. It, didn't, it would not look intentional. The The defender did look like he was trying to move his helmet out of the way, but caught Cook just perfectly in the head with his shoulder, which I think is what kind of knocked him out, unfortunately, but was having a great day, possibly an even bigger day, uh, had he not gotten knocked out there. If Cook is ready to go by next week. Are you playing him? I know Dennis, we talked about him on Friday. Dennis was not high on Cook at all. He's really, in my opinion, had a good second half. Started with Bridgewater even when uh, when uh, Breeze came back. Breeze has been going to him, so I really think you can start Thomas and Cook uh, with all kinds of confidence moving forward.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're playing the Colts at home, so that's not a matchup that you're going to fear, so... Um, I I think Jared Cook has really come on. Maybe it just took him a little longer than we anticipated to get going in the offense. I'm kind of like you. I expected this 49er Saints game to be a really good game, but I thought it was going to be somewhat on par with what we had seen with Baltimore and San Francisco, where you'd have high teens, low 20s. Um, I actually sat Drew Brees and played Dak Prescott over him, um, so... I had to pour one out for myself yesterday watching all that going. Ugh, yeah, I can the real, The real fantasy conundrum is Alvin Kamara. Um, I, I really kind of hope that we find out after the season that he hasn't been right all year. Yeah. Uh, we have just not seen any explosive plays either on the ground or in the passing game Um he's not getting touchdowns he's you know some some weeks you've still been okay getting kind of rb2 fringe rb1 numbers because of volume and PPR where he catches like nine nine passes but you know it's it's been kind of a black hole so going into the playoffs obviously Breeze playing well i think cook has been decent enough to be in that kind of second tier group of tight ends that you're yeah. considering if you don't have one of the big names but Thomas has been really the only bankable piece of this offense for as good as they are. It's it's amazing. There's basically – you can distill it into one guy that you feel good about.
0: Oh, yeah, and I mean if, if we're being honest, he's probably, as I said earlier, one of the only first-round picks that's come through for you. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, just one touchdown on the season, which is just insane to me. Next up, we've got the field goal, the field goal fest in New York between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 21 of 37, 245 yards and one interception to come into QB 17 with 15.3 points. Patrick Laird, 48 yards on 15 carries, does get 38 yards on four catches to come into RB 21 with 10.6 points. And Isaiah Ford, the best wide receiver on the day, 92 yards on six catches to come in at wide receiver 29 with 12.2 points. We did see Devontae Parker get injured in this one. I, I haven't seen uh, he got a concussion, so we obviously probably won't know for a couple days if he's going to be back by next week. With that being said, I mean, I that he's the only person I have any interest in whatsoever for fantasy moving forward on this team.
1: Yeah, that's probably fair. It depends on how desperate you are in Superflex, whether you consider Fitzpatrick. Um because he is he is putting up the numbers. He was actually yeah. their leading rusher too, sixty-five on on seven carries. But it's two you know, other than Parker, who had seemed to have at least a, a solid share, you know, we saw Gaseki take a pretty big step back from some of what we'd seen their running back is a wasteland it's hard to tell with receivers, um you know, I still think Alan Hearns might be a stash for the future. We saw him do yeah. pretty well five for sixty eight against eight targets, but Isaiah Ford, I bet he's not even rostered in most leagues, and Albert Wilson, who they're paying like nine million dollars to this season, one catch for five yards on two targets. This was a pretty abysmal game all around, yeah. both to watch and for fantasy.
0: Yeah, the one thing I'll say on Fitzpatrick, I actually think he's someone worthy to look at in one QB leagues as well, just because he's got the Giants and the Bengals the next two weeks. Uh, Mm. I had actually picked him up because of his schedule here with the Eagles, Jets, Giants, Bengals. We all knew that. uh, I mean, he's been on fire the past three weeks, had a decent game against the Bills, played good against the Browns and the Eagles. You knew he was due for a bad game here. Maybe this was it, and he'll be good going against the Giants and the Bengals. Like I said, I, I picked him up in my Dynasty League because I was rocking with just Baker, uh, and I have Fitz because I think the matchup, obviously, if I make it to the championship game with him against the Bengals compared to Baker and the and the uh, Ravens, is a, is a lot better. So I might end up having to roll him out in a championship game. On the Jets side here, Sam Darnold, 20 of 36, 270 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception to come in a QB-14 with 18.1 points. Uh Ty Montgomery, 31 yards on nine carries, adds 30 yards on three catches. RB. 33 with 7.6 points. Bala Powell steps in with Le'Veon Bell going down 74 yards on 19 carries to get you 7 points. And this one uh, does add, I'm sorry, right about 8 points, 14 yards on 2 catches as well. And Robbie Anderson continues to just produce in December. I don't understand this whatsoever, but every year, once December 1st hits, Robbie Anderson just balls out 116 yards and a touchdown on seven catches on this one. It's coming at wide receiver six with 20.5 points. So we imagine Bell will be back next week. We don't know that for sure, but uh, it was he was ruled out due to a sickness. They are going up against, as you said, Thursday night against a very good Ravens defense. Anyone on this team you're starting with Bell, assuming Bell comes back on Thursday? <sighs>
1: I mean, I guess you still play Bell because of the draft capital, but the Jets make me sad, I, honestly. You know, <laughs> s- I, I hear probably you. because we think it's going to be a crap matchup for them, Sam Darnold's going to throw for 500 yards, because that seems to be where it is. The game's where they should. You figure, be good bets fantasy they kill you and the games where you're not expecting anything it seems like they step up Uh, you know for most of the season it seemed like Jamison Crowder was the only receiver worth owning now he seems like the worst receiver to own Robbie Anderson could you know we put him on a milk carton until December and now it seems like he can't have anything less than seven catches and 100 yards in a game It's a tough matchup. You know, the Ravens defense has gotten markedly better as we've gone through the season. That trade for Marcus Peters made a big difference. I would wager Marcus Peters will go on to Robbie Anderson. Sam Darnold doesn't seem like he's having a consistent enough season to uh, negotiate around a good defense. They also have a pretty fierce front seven and pass rush, and the Jets do not have a very great uh, offensive line. Um I would be really leery of the Jets cuz we saw them just get totally slapped around by the Bengals uh and they didn't have that impressive of a game at home against the Dolphins so you know I'm not really wanting to put my fantasy season in the hands of Adam Gase on Thursday night
0: yeah, I, I'm with you. That's why I asked you to see if maybe you had a different answer than me because even though Robbie Anderson, as I said, has balled out the past couple weeks, I just I can't do it. I I can't take that choice, or I can't make that choice, especially with uh, them going up against a very good Baltimore defense. The last game for today's podcast, the Indianapolis Colts giving one away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, losing 35-38. to 38. On the uh Colt side here, Jacoby reset 19 of 36, 251 yards and two touchdowns to come in at QB9 with 22.6 points. Uh he does that 26 yards on the ground. Marlon Mack comes back from the fractured hand, 38 yards on 13 carries and one touchdown. Comes in at RB 25 with 9.8 points. And then Zach Pascal, wide receiver 10 with 17.9 points, 74 yards on five catches and a touchdown. And Marcus Johnson has a big game as well for the Colts, 105 yards on three catches and a touchdown. It's come in at wide receiver nine with 18 points. Jack Doyle, two catches for 27 yards. Uh, Paris Campbell, who I was hoping might have a huge game here, just 12 yards on three catches, gets hurt again in this one, unfortunately. Uh, so what are we doing with the Colts moving forward? I mean, it looked like a completely different offense with Mac out there. Obviously, you know, coming back from the fractured hand, I did not expect him to do good. I suggested not playing him. If you played him, I mean, nine points, you could do worse compared to who you put in there for him. Uh, but are you trusting anybody from the Colts moving forward? It looks like Hilton's not coming back, I would think, for the rest of the year.
1: <sighs> Probably Mac, based on what we've seen, so they're at New Orleans this week, yeah. and prior to what we saw yesterday, I would have said that's not a great matchup because New Orleans defense had looked like at times they'd been pretty stout. They got blown apart yesterday, but it's hard to tell how much of that is just Kyle Shanahan and the forty nine Frank Reich, a pretty inventive play caller. This Colts offense has been a tough watch, a lot of injuries. Uh, to go through um, you know max probably the one you feel the best about it's it's hard for me with these wide receivers aside from ty hilton pascal's had a couple of decent games in yeah. a row here now but it was only two weeks removed from him putting up a goose egg when he was ostensibly the only receiving option mm-hmm. uh, doyle we had seen a couple of good games in a row kind of two for 27 eh, uh, this week i don't know the, this entire colts team you know they've They've really gone through it. They played much better uh, than we than we thought they might start the season. They made a real push, but it seems like injuries and and everything have caught up to them. They're kind of fading to the finish. I don't know how much I would want to rely on anyone in this team in what you know the Saints have to win. Yeah Now they've locked up their division, but they're playing for something else. They have to win. They're at home. It's their home finale. Uh, I think they're going to be loaded for bear, and I think they're going to be looking for kind of a rebound game. So I, I think it's going to be hard to trust anyone but really Mac.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, like Pascal, I would, I'd look at, but I'm with you. I just he had that goose egg, and I just don't know if I can trust it. Maybe is a low end flex play, but I, I I'm with you. And it's, it's, this is and is this coming from someone that doesn't even like Mac that much? But I feel like he's probably the only and Jacoby Brissett. I shouldn't say that because Jacoby Brissett has still been putting up numbers for the most part. So yeah. depending on what other quarterbacks you have, I wouldn't be afraid to play him. I just I wouldn't trust anybody else. I my mean, thought Doyle was going to have a big game here, being one of the best receiving options, and he just completely falls flat uh, in this one. But the Buccaneers didn't. I mean, my goodness, did they have a fantasy bonanza here! Jameis Win- Winston 33-45 of 45, 456 yards 4 touchdowns 3 interceptions QB 2 with 37.7 points uh, unfortunately neither of the running backs did much of anything there's probably the only two that didn't participate in this game that much 36 yards on 11 carries for Ronald Jones and 23 yards on 4 catches to come in as RB 31 with 7.9 points Peyton Barber 11 carries for 34 yards 2 catches for 19 Brashad Perriman 70 yards, three catches, and a touchdown. Justin Watson, 59 yards, and a touchdown on five catches. Perryman, wide receiver, 17 with 14.5 points. Watson, wide receiver, 18 with 14.4 points. Mike Evans, wide receiver, 25 with 12.6 points. Unfortunately, just a one catch for a 61-yard touchdown hurt his hamstring. I think he's done for the rest of the season. Bruce Arians came out earlier today and said that it was it's much worse than they originally thought. I would not imagine Evans comes back. Yep. Uh, Chris Godwin, wide receiver, 26 with 12.6 points, 91 yards on seven catches in this one. Cameron Braid, tied in eight with 11 points in this one, 30 yards and a touchdown on four catches. And then OJ Howard, 73 yards on four catches, tied in 12 with 9.3 points. So, pretty much, if you started any of your Buccaneers, they came through for you, even Mike Evans with the 161 yard touchdown catch. They get the Lions next week. And then the Texans, who we saw are extremely beatable with what the Broncos did to him yesterday. So we know Evan's likely out. Who are you trusting moving forward with the Buccaneers in these next
1: two weeks? Now The other piece of news is that Jameis Winston has a broken thumb. They said he's going to plans to try to play through it.
0: I mean, he did play through it in that game. I know they pulled him out because of it Ryan Griffin came in, but then Winston came back out there. I don't think he threw any touchdowns after that fact, but he still played decent enough to get them down in the field goal range and end up getting that field goal to win it. So I would imagine if he played through it at the end of that game, he should be able to do it this week against Detroit.
1: Yeah, but if there was any quarterback you didn't want to have a hand impediment, it would be the guy that <laughs> seems to pass out interceptions and fumbles. Like that candy. is true. That is true. So that gives me a moment of pause. It is, like you said, a pretty outstanding matchup. I you know, you're still playing Chris Godwin. Um but I would I wonder who would be kind of the number two. You wouldn't necessarily have a firm takeaway from yesterday because it seemed like everybody was uh, the number two because you know you saw Godwin get nine targets uh, and then you know Justin Watson eight targets seemed like the next most but Perriman we've seen have a good role throughout the season we've actually seen him make some big plays he could potentially be a sneaky option but you know it's fantasy playoffs not knowing exactly where Winston is at I'm probably just rolling Chris Godwin
0: yeah I'm with you on that I mean maybe see I don't even know if you can trust Braid or Howard I mean Howard has obviously looked a lot better here the past couple weeks but Braid has always kind of been Winston's guy so I guess it depends on if Winston's in there or not with well, with all kind
1: those... of splitting work too so yeah. unless somebody gets a touchdown how are they distinguishing themselves both of them get four catches you know Howard has five targets Braid has four that kind of splitting time it's almost kind of that tight end hell that we had with Doyle and Ebron except for in an offense that might throw for 400 instead of one that throws for 250.
0: Yeah that's what I was going to say for me that's why I'm with you I I just don't know if I could trust either one of them especially with Winston having a hand injury I think Godwin is the only guy I mean again Someone who has loved Ronald Jones for two years now, I'm quickly getting to the part where I'm about to reach the station and jump off that train and not get back on because Rojo has just not helped, helped me look good at all. He has really kind of struggled. I'll be interested to see if he even stays on the roster next season. Matt, that that, that does it for us today. That's eight games. We will be back tomorrow to break down the other seven, including the Monday night football game tonight between the Giants and the Eagles. Appreciate you joining me today. I hope you have a good night. Enjoy the game, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and an early Christmas present for everyone. Eli Manning is
0: back. I know. I'm excited. Maybe he makes Saquon relevant again because Saquon has just not been good here recently.
1: Can't be any worse.
0: Prepare
1: for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I can't the one line already. It is NBA's turn for an
0: unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for the team. Throw it
1: up above his head. They can't jump with
0: me. Golly! Only oh, tackle it for 40 yards. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.